Welcome to The Grinder. We have a very special guest. And no, it's not James Chapman. It is J.P. Dinell. What's going on, J.P.? Hey, how are you guys doing today? Good, man. We're super excited to have you on. And not to overshadow Addison here, but Addison, as your boy, as your friend, you always introduce me first because I am always the special guest, all right? Like, do, do me the honor, man. All this time, all this love, all these hard times together, you got to show me some love, dude. You got you to introduce me first. There's I, I, a ring structure for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, having JP on is an absolute understatement. JP's done some amazing things. I can't shut up because I'm excited to have him. It's going to be some great value today. Look, when he's talking, you need to take some notes. Save this podcast. Like make it one of your favorites. JP's a great guy. He's got a shitload of content out there. So if you haven't had the chance to hear anything he's talked about, let this be the taste, but go out there and find some other stuff from him. Okay? Addison, sorry, man. Back to you. Yeah. Bring it back to me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so JP, give us a little bit of detail on you, who you are, what you do. Um, we'll start with family and then we'll move up. Okay, sounds good. So originally I'm from Sacramento, California. I have a younger brother, younger sister who are two of my uh, closest. I feel like they're also my, like my best friends, uh, very close with my mom and dad as well. Um, you know, grew up with a very good life. Um, you know, there's times that we didn't have a lot of money. I, I try not to say we were poor. Like I used to be like, Oh, we grew up poor. And then being in the military and traveling all over the world, I saw what actual poverty is. And no, we were not poor. We, um, you know, middle-class family. My dad is one of the hardest workers that, that I know. He has worked his ass off. And so is my mom. Uh, they both worked very hard when we were kids growing up. They, uh, to give us a great lifestyle, um, you know, and when I say great lifestyle, I don't mean like big houses and nice, like perfect cars, but they taught us the value of enjoying, uh, life and being appreciative for what we had. And more, more importantly, they taught us that if you want something, you have to go work for it and you've got to get to work and, you know, you can make excuses or you can make things happen. You can't do both. And, you know, uh, so growing up, I wanted to be a frogman. I've wanted to be a Navy SEAL ever since I was a little boy. And uh, as I was graduating high school, my dad kind of pushed me in that direction. And so I went in the recruiter's office and I uh, told him I want to be a Navy SEAL. They all laughed at me. Uh, recruiters told me, hey, you know, can't do anything with that caster in your hand. So long story short, I went home. I told my dad and my dad and I, we cut my cast off. I went back in the recruiter's office two days later and uh, started the process. And, um, you know, I was, you know, you you never allow another human being to dictate what you're going to do. If they've done it, you can do it. And I knew all these guys that had gone before me in the SEAL teams, they breathe the same oxygen that I breathe. They had all had the same opportunities I had, and it came down to how bad I really wanted it. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to serve my country. I wanted to be a Navy SEAL. And I went out and I did it. And, uh, you know, started with my, I started with class 242, and I graduated with class 242. Um, you know, which is, which is rare. A lot of guys get hurt. A lot of guys get rolled back. A lot of guys quit. And so, you know, it was just awesome to be able to, uh, to do that and to be able to serve alongside some of the absolute heroes and legends in the SEAL teams. I was at SEAL team three. Um, you know, I, I did just under 12 years in the Navy, uh, 
almost all that besides boot camp and buds, which is the basic selection to go through training to become a Navy SEAL, uh, was in the SEAL teams. Uh, I was in Delta Platoon, um, you know, which was a famous uh, tasking a bruiser that Jocko Willink and Leif Babin talk about, write about. Uh, Jocko Willink was my task unit commander. Uh, Leif Babin was in Charlie Platoon. I was in Delta Platoon. I was actually opposite American sniper Chris Kyle. So Chris Kyle was a point man and lead sniper in Charlie Platoon. I was his opposite. I was a point man and lead sniper in Delta Platoon. And so if you've read his book or watched a movie, you know, they tease him about the young sniper catching up to him. That was me when I was 23. And, um, and so I was very fortunate to be able to do what I did in the military. I uh, learned a lot of lessons. Um, you know, I learned, I look back and there's so many things I wish I could go back and do over again because a lot, there's times where I was just a young, immature, um, kid and, you know, that's part of growing up in the military. And, you know, I, a lot of young guys don't make it through SEAL training and that's good. We don't want young, immature guys running all over the world with top secret clearances and charge millions of dollars worth of gear and most importantly, somebody else's life. And I was very fortunate that I, I had a different mindset when I was going through BUDS and when times got really hard and difficult, because everything that you hear about buds is true. You're cold, you're wet, you're tired, you're miserable. Who cares? Like that evolution is going to end. It's going to end. And so I just told myself every single day when I woke up, I get to be here. I get to do this. And, you know, those of you listening out there, change that mindset to what you're doing right now. You don't have to be going through SEAL training to have that mindset. When you wake up and you're going, you have to get ready for work. Guess what? You get to go to work. You get to drive to work in your vehicle. Yeah, it may not be the vehicle you want, but guess what? You're not sitting at the bus stop. You get to do what you're doing. And hey, guess what? Your vehicle doesn't work. You have to take the bus. You get to take the bus. You're not having to work. I mean, you're not having to walk to work. You're not having to do all this stuff that, you know, and there's going to be people out there that are going to make it happen. So, change your mindset and realize you get to do everything that you get to do in life. You know, I have, um, I've got a buddy right now that that's fighting stage four terminal brain cancer and he's got four daughters and you know, I guarantee you, I guarantee you he would give anything to have an extra couple of years with them. And so the next time you want to complain about having to go do a family function or having to go do something, he would give anything to have those extra couple of years with his daughters. And he's not going to have it. He's not going to have it. And so I've always thought about stuff like that. I've always been reminded that I get to live this life. And if I'm not living this life to the fullest, I'm wasting it. And more importantly, because of the the sacrifice in the military of the brothers that I've lost. I've buried roommates. I've buried best friends. If I don't live my life to honor them, I'm wasting everything that they died for. Their sacrifices for us to live in a free country, for us to be able to do what we do is I will forever be in debt to my brothers and to every service member that went forward. And so that's the kind of the mindset I've always had. And I've had that in the military and I've had it when I got out and I had a good career in the military. You know, I had a lot of fun. Um, you know, I'm a quitter. I got out at 12 years. I didn't do a full 20 and retire. Um, you have three combat deployments, uh, which isn't a lot. You know, I went to Iraq twice, Afghanistan once, you know, I have buddies that are on their 11th, 12th, 13th combat deployment. Like it's insane. Right. 
And uh, I'm a little jealous of those guys, but I could have <laughs> been there if I would have stayed in, and I didn't. It's my choice. Got out to do stuff for my family. JP, uh, can I ask on that just right there yeah. when you're talking about stuff? It just made me think. I mean, man, such an honor that people like you and your brothers that, that fault exist. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just, it's humbling. But as you're talking about that, and you talked about your friend that's fighting the battle right now, it, it, it reminds me so much that sometimes people think they can't do stuff because maybe they're not the smartest at it. And you talking right then shows me and reminds me, it's not about who's the smartest. It's about who has the most heart. Yes. Like that, that's where the drive comes from. It's, it's not the smartest guy in the room. It's the guy who's got the most drive, who's got the most heart, who understands the project. You can't teach heart, you know? And, and so, okay, yeah. I'm not, and here's the deal. I know I'm not the smartest guy in, in the company I work with. I work with Echelon Front. I'm one of Jocko and Lace leadership instructors and speakers. I'm our director of our uh, expansionary training. It's all of our hands-on scenario-based training. Um, you know, you have guys like Jocko, Leif Babin, Dave Burke, uh, Flynn Cochran, Mike Sorelli, all these other guys. I am by far the dumbest guy in the group, but I'm smart enough to surround myself with guys like them and lean on them and ask them for, uh, you know, advice and questions and just check my ego and, and be humble and coachable and teachable. If you're, if you're coachable and teachable, you will go farther in life than 90% of the people out there that are just naturally gifted and smart. And, and, and if you're willing to suffer and put in the work, you will win. You absolutely will win. I've never been the best athlete. I've never been the smartest uh, student. I've never been the smartest athlete. I've never been the smartest, you know, individual. I've never been, you know, the fastest, the quickest, the strongest, but I'm willing to put in the work and I'm willing to suffer and I'm willing to grind through it all. And people aren't willing to do that. And when guys would come to buds that were college level athletes, Olympic athletes that weren't in their perfect environment, their perfect quality control comfort zone those guys would quit faster than everybody else you have to be comfortable with getting uncomfortable and now notice what i said getting uncomfortable there's that quote out there you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable check okay that makes sense but are you actually willing to get uncomfortable that's a decision that you make you're the only person that can make the decision that you know what i'm gonna get uncomfortable I'm going yeah. to check my ego. I'm going to be humble and I'm going to go do stuff that I'm not comfortable with. I'm going to go read every single day so I can educate myself on different stuff that I don't know. I'm going to listen to podcasts instead of the radio so that I can actually educate myself. Um, you know, I, it just, it, and to do all that, it takes discipline. And if you lack discipline, you're going to lack greatness in your life. I promise you. So, so in your buds class, going back to that, I mean, do you, do you remember the number of how many original guys there were, how many actually made it through first time? Yeah. So I've been told, and I need to verify this, but it, I, I remember being told this, there was 222 guys started in our class and I was one of 28 of the originals that made it through. That's so, unbelievable. <laughs> God, that's crazy, man. But it was worth it. You know, and I, it was just like, okay decide that I'm not going to quit. Like the, what's the issue? Like this is not rocket science, show up, do the work, be the best that you can be. 
help those around you find a way to serve others and don't quit. I was in a recent Zoom meeting uh, with uh, Ryan Williams. Um, mm. Well, my good amazing buddy. guy. I've never never knew the guy before. Then he came on. Uh, he's he's a part of the uh, RTA Syndicate, yep. and they can come in as a guest speaker uh, or speak to the RTA Accelerators. And um, man, I, I took notes. Of course, I took a page of notes by the time that guy got finished. But oh, yeah. one of the main things I highlight, I actually have it right here in front of me. And just the way you're talking, he's like, you got to commit to the suffering. Yep. It's funny because a shirt I'm wearing is industry. Oh, yeah, there you go, man. Yeah. It's one of his, his companies, you know, and Ryan's a good dude and he is, um, you know, and that's what he talks about. You know, like me, I have a high school diploma. That's it. But you know, I work with multi-million dollar companies all across the world, teaching them the basic leadership principles that I've learned in combat and in training. And that's what I do now with Echelon Front. Um, I know you said family earlier. I've, you know, now I've got my own family. I have a beautiful wife, three kids. Um, just, you know, very, very lucky to have what I have. And, you know, I'm very lucky to do what I do with, with Jocko and Leif and Echelon Front as we work with companies legitimately all across the world on basic leadership principles, the laws of combat, mindsets of victory, and what taking ownership and extreme ownership really means. You know, I think a lot of guys, um, you know, I said this before we started and I'll say it again. I mean, man, so thankful for guys like you that served. I, um, I, I served in the, in the Georgia army national guard referred, we were the nasty girls, you know, but we, the guys I got to serve with, even at the, you know, at that level, not top tier level, you know, we were all, all those guys worked so hard. I was such an honor to serve with every one of them. And it was amazing to me, the ragtag group we were thrown together, how, you know, you, how ingenious some of these guys were, how hard they were. I mean, it's how creative they were. And I, I, I say all that to lead into Echelon Front. I find it absolutely just so fascinating because there's a lot of guys who come back and y'all be able to work together in that same team mentality I mean, I imagine it just gives you, each of you, so much strength in what you do at Echelon Front, being able to work with, with guys that have that same mentality. Yeah, and you said the Ragtat, you know, National Guard. I mean, the National Guard is, you know, we linked up with the 228 when we got to Ramadi. Mm-hmm. And they're a National Guard unit out of Pennsylvania. And, you know, as you know, and people listening maybe don't know, the National Guard, who do they consist of? Citizens. Yeah. Every Americans that are working their normal job that actually give back more than the rest of society because one week in a month, they'll go do some training. And then at the end of the year, they'll go do a two week block of training. And at that point, James, I say, you guys are a fully trained and equipped unit, right? Yep. That's right. Yeah. And, but what type of training were you actually having? Were you actually out there shooting, moving and communicating and doing I mean, all it's like, stuff it's like, that you're uh, supposed to? Yeah. That was a, no. it was a damn uh, FTX. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you get one FTX at the end of two, yeah. uh, at the end of the year, but the one week in a month, most of the time they have you guys cleaning out the barracks or maintenance the gear or doing stuff. And what what Americans don't understand is the mindset that our military has is like, you know what? I'm gonna make it work. I don't have the proper gear. I don't have the proper leadership. I don't have the proper training. But you know what? It's not an option to fail. And that's what we saw with every soldier and Marine that we worked with in the Battle of Ramadi. They didn't have the proper gear. They didn't have the proper training. They didn't have the proper leadership. 
all the time. Now they had some good leaders that stepped up, but they thought they had this phenomenal, you know, group of leaders that came in and equipped them and gave them everything they needed. Yet they made it work. They, they were in combat in the absolute worst neighborhood in the world for 14 months straight when we showed up and we were honored to work alongside those guys and support them. And they made it work and we made it work. And, you know, we were replacing a, another SEAL task unit in that leadership from that task unit told Leif and Jocko and, and Seth, like, Hey, if you guys go into this area, you're going to get almost all your guys wounded and killed. A Marine unit tried to push down this road and in 500 yards, they hit 13 different IEDs. If something happens, they're probably not going to even be able to send guys in to help you because of how bad that area is. Don't go in that area. And our leadership thought about it and said, cool, that's exactly where we're going. Because what do you, what do you accomplish from the sidelines in life? Absolutely nothing. nothing, nothing. And if we wanted to make a difference, we actually had to go get in a fight. And instead of the enemy getting to hunt and torture and murder innocent Iraqi families and soldiers and Marines, we started hunting them every single day and every single night. We took the fight to them. Dude, our, our, our training philosophy in the SEAL teams is very simple. We must train brutally and without mercy so that we can fight brutally and without mercy. So how do you apply that mindset to what you guys do every day? It's just being a, having that default mode of being aggressive. Not, and this isn't towards like another human being. I'm sure someone's listening and going, this is a little extreme for me right now. I'm not in combat. I'm not in war. But the person that thinks that is, is a person that's never going to get where they need to go because they have that little mentality of picking shit apart and like trying to find excuses as to not how to make it work. You, I'm watching you guys on the video. You guys are nodding your head as I'm saying this going, yep. And I know exactly what James and Addison, you guys are thinking. You're like, this is what I'm going to apply that towards. Because when we get off this podcast, it's time for you guys to get to work. Who's ever listening to this podcast, when you're done listening to this, it's time for you to get back to work. Take That's that exactly mindset. right. I mean, they got to they got to apply it. You got to apply yes. it. I mean, it's like, well, yeah, well, I'm not a Navy SEAL, JB. Well, of course not. And this this may be a war story, but it, it's about the nuggets you take and apply to real life. At the end of the day, it was a job. It may yes. be the most honorable job, but it was a job. And how you go through and you execute it and you do it. What are you doing now today, you know, to everybody listening, what are you out doing today to make the difference and how to apply it? Man, this is great stuff. I, I'm sorry to interrupt, mean to interrupt, man. This, no. this is good no, stuff. That's exactly what I was trying to say. And that's, you're 100% right. It's like, what are you going to do? All, everything, all the, all the studying that you do, all, all this stuff that you can do, it's great until you take action. It means nothing until you actually take action. And that's what you'll see guys in business that holds them back. They don't actually take action. They have all this knowledge and they're like, oh, well, let me plan some more and let me do this and let me do that. And no, just get to work. I've and been that guy. That's why we have the third law of combat, prioritize and execute, right? You, 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 you got to get to work, pick something, do it, start working on it right now. And then as you're doing stuff, detach, take a step back, look around see what's going on and make some adjustments have have the ability to be flexible yeah i mean that's that's been it i've been the uh you know i like to say i was the person that always wanted something to be perfect right 
I mean, Addison, and I have talked about this many times, trying to be, have it perfect, have it set up. And I finally had to tell myself, like, I'm getting nowhere. I got to do, so I literally have tricked my brain. I call everything draft one, draft two. If I call it a draft and start using it, somehow I can make my, man, my mind start working with it. Okay, That's great. here's a new program. It's draft one. Now James can shut down for a second, go to work on something else. And when I don't like it anymore, I make it draft two. No cool. more is it the perfect thing because there will never be the perfect thing. That's Brother, the, there's nothing perfect. There's yeah. Nothing perfect. I've worked with hundreds of companies all across the world. I've been in, I mean, ridiculous amounts of gunfights and planned and executed ridiculous amounts of, of missions and they never were perfect, but we took action. We had the ability to read and react. And at the end of the day, we got the mission done no matter what. And that's what you have to do in business. You have to just get the job done, you know? And yeah, I just wrote an article um, where I was sharing my articles, uh, sharing my thoughts with um, Echelon Front and the Platoon Hut. It's a, it's a thing that we have where guys will write different articles or share their thoughts. Um, and you know, somebody goes through the website, echelonfront.com that can find platoon hut. And I just wrote about belief and, uh, you know, I did a video on my YouTube channel not too long ago about belief. And, you know, it simply comes down to without belief, nothing is possible, but with belief alone, nothing is possible. It comes down to you taking action. So, and you know, I, I, what I found James and Addison, uh, with the people I've interacted with over the last couple of years is. It's not for a lack of people wanting to. It's just people don't have the confidence to do it. And they just need to go go get a win. I don't care what that win is. Go get a win. If you know you're going to do five things throughout the day, and you know, like every day, I know I do these five things, but I have a really hard time executing on everything else. Write down those five things that you're going to do. And as you do it and you're checking that off your list, it changes your mindset to like, oh, I'm doing it. I'm getting yeah. stuff done. What else can I do? Then add something else. Add a small little win. Just something out there. Boom. Get that small win. Awesome. Keep doing that. Keep doing that until you build up some momentum. You build up your confidence. And the next thing you know, a year later, you're out there doing stuff that you would terrify you the previous year. Bro, look at this right here with me. This notebook <laughs> every day. I was at a meeting the other day. Somebody started laughing at me because I had this little notebook. I carry one everywhere. And they were laughing like, man, it was, so I just thought about it. I was like, you don't realize that I've literally, and I'm not saying it's all the book, right? Or just this habit. It's several things that have come into play, but this book, every day I write down things I want to accomplish. My business has grown tremendously, like 400% over the last year. Cause I've, it's made me aggressive. I have to put the thoughts down. And I was sitting there when they were laughing at that book, I was thinking this little book is going to make me millions, millions. Because it's helped me create habits. It's so funny. I, I, I mean, I know you don't want to share it on the podcast, but I'd be very curious as to who that type of person was that laughed at you for having a notebook. We'll talk about that offline because yeah. I guarantee you, like I could ask you a few questions about that person and I'll, we could be able to nail down what type of person they are and where they're going to be in the next three to five years. And it ain't going to be making millions with you, brother. I can promise yeah. you that because I, I, all, all of my mentors, <laughs> all, all my mentors, and all the buddies that I call and talk to, like the top 10 people I talk to are all making over a million dollars a year or 
really close to it. Like there's a couple that aren't there, but bro, when you're making 500,000, 600, 700,000 a year, and you're projected to make over a million within the next two years, I consider that to be a good source circle of influence and all the rest are making over a million running multi-million dollar companies. Guess what they carry around with them and guess what they do? Write that stuff they down. They probably carry a book every day. Yeah. They carry a notebook with them. They write down stuff in their notebook. They go through the list. I mean, Andy Frisella, who has the MF CEO project. Yep. What does he have? The power list. He right. actually sells a notebook that you can buy that has it broken down so that you can actually do that effectively. So, yep. you know, that's, dude, people like that. Awesome. Good. Yeah. Like we need people <laughs> for us. Hey, let, let me ask, I, 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 um, I'd put one thing down. It just was something I was talking to someone else about last night and I thought it'd be perfect to ask you on this podcast for, um, like I said, I know you've accomplished so much in the military and so much in, in civilian life. Um, but it was, it was going back. They were talking about, they were trying, my wife's a power lifter. Okay. And she was like, I'm going for a PR on this, but she's just going to the gym. It's not for a competition. And I was like, you know, you should train to fail. And mm-hmm. I wanted your Absolutely. opinion on this talking through, like, don't look at his face. I mean, in training, you should be training to fail constantly. Yeah. You all, well, you said exactly what I was going to say either. Cause you listen to me on other podcasts or we're on the same page, brother. That's exactly what I was going to say is you should be training the failure. Uh, you should be putting yourself in humbling environments and situations where you're going to fail. That's why I love the gym that I train jujitsu at. I fail every time I go and train and roll with these guys because they crush me. I get submitted multiple times each round of rolling. These guys embarrass me on the mats, but Cool. Good. That's like yeah, Addison. Addison can talk about that. I mean, he was uh, – Addison's doing jiu-jitsu now, and he told me, he's like, first night I asked that guy, what would you tell me? You, you asked that guy to choke you out? And I was like, why the hell would you ask him to choke you out just to choke you out? He's like, I got to know the power, man. <laughs> yeah. A lot of it, like, I want to I want to dive into jiu-jitsu, but I also want to dive into the mental part of it. Um, for me, it's like in business, I have to run through a wall before I realize that there's a wall there. Right. Yeah. Like I have to, I have to feel the pain before I understand what it is. Um, and I think going into like jujitsu and how it actually applies to everyday life. It, it's so intense. Oh yeah. Yeah. Jocko was just talking about that on uh Jocko podcast episode 162. I just got done listening to that. And he talks about how just the, just the, the base of doing jujitsu sets you up for jujitsu and all other aspects of your life. And you know, I was on Pete Roberts uh, from origin, Pete and Brian, Pete Roberts, uh, Brian Littlefield. Uh, they have a podcast called hands and daylight. And I was just on there as well a couple weeks ago. And we talked about how just the different levels of jujitsu in life uh, and just how it all ties together and how it's, uh, it's, it's very unique. And I think that's also out of some, what I'm drawn to jujitsu for as well is just that, just the push and learning to, to do that. I mean, in business, if you're negotiating, if you're talking with somebody, that's jujitsu, right? You, you know, there's, um, you know, and Dave Burke, who's another instructor with Echelon Front, he was a former Top Gun pilot, Top Gun instructor, officer in the Marine Corps, was with us on the ground in Ramadi, and now he speaks with Echelon Front. One of my favorite briefs is listening to him talk about the OODA loop. 
And if you're not familiar with it, just Google OODA loop, um, O-O-D-A loop. And you can literally apply the OODA loop to all aspects of your life. And I told, I told Dave, like when he first got interested in jujitsu and I told him, I'm like, Hey, if you start doing jujitsu, you're going to surpass everybody very quickly because your ability to be aware of your surroundings, to observe what's going on, orient it yourself, decide what needs to happen and act is unlike anybody else I've ever met because when he had to do that as a fighter pilot, it was on a whole other level. And so when he's able to do that in boxing and Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu, the, his level of progression has been insane. It's scary. It's scary how good he's getting how fa- and how fast. And so that comes down to just education and discipline, right? He's a very educated individual and he's very disciplined. Now you listen into this podcast, you're thinking, well, maybe I'm not very educated or maybe I'm not very disciplined. You can be. You're just choosing not to be. And so if you actually took the time to study things around you and study how it affects your life and how it affects your business, you then can reverse engineer a plan to attack that. Then you can flank. You, you yeah. just have to choose that that's what you want to do in life. Amazing. And that's good, man. That is good stuff. <laughs> I, I, I know, you look, when, when we, before we started this, everybody, we told JP, we're like, man, 30 minutes tops. What in the hell was I thinking 30 minutes tops? But we do want to be respectful as time. Um, I, I, I want to we start. We can always do this again if you guys want, you know. Man, like, are you teasing me right now? Of course we want to do this again. Uh, Addison, I, I don't know if you had anything you wanted to specifically hit on um, and, and talk about. Yeah. So I had a few points, but the main thing, have you come to a situation like in your life that you've encountered that you had to overcome with mindset or a particular like leadership situation that you were able to overcome that situation? So obviously buds, I mean, that's pretty, that's an easy answer, right? Like, Hey, you know, I mean, hell week in buds is five and a half days straight, no sleep, all physical activities. So you've just got to shut off the pain in your mind. You got to turn off that weakness that we all have and just say, Hey, guess what? shut up. You're, you don't, you don't get a vote, <laughs> get to the back and just turn on, turn on what I call the activate mode. Right. I just turn that on. It's like, boom, it's time to work. It's time to get shit done. And I just, I will tell myself activate sometimes when I'm just kind of feeling that. And because Jocko used to do that, we'd be in training and we, I was an instructor and I was one of the instructors and I'd be playing a bad guy. And we'd be out there and we were running these scenarios and all the scenarios are like dictated a certain way or whatever. And I'm just waiting, 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 waiting for him to be like, and then I also Jock would come over the radio. He'd be like, JP. I'd be like, yes. He'd be like, activate. And it was just like, <laughs> boom. Like I just got to go out there and I would just start slaughtering like the guys. And I'd just like go to town. I'd have all my fun. And if it got to the point to where we are starting to deteriorate from the objective of training, then he'd be like, JP, deactivate. And I'd be like, ooh, and I'd bring it back down, right? And so I just tell myself, activate. Like, get to work, man. Like, yeah. this is a time. Like, you need to – I don't care what's going on. Shut it all off and push through. But you also have to be aware of what your limitations are. You have to know when it's time to rest. You have to know when it's time to give yourself time to recuperate, recover, uh, so that you can perform at the absolute best level. Uh, so that's the one thing you have to be self-aware of. Um, 
but as far as like pushing through a bad, you know, just a, a hard situation, I mean, a couple of years ago, you know, I left, I got out of the military. I was doing sales at a financial company. Um, I left there to start my own consulting company. I started, I did that just too soon. I shouldn't have made that decision. I made an emotional decision, not a logical, that's a bad thing. Um, and so then I'm out there scraping work together for my family and, you know, kind of did some, I got some cool stuff to do. You know, I, I did some consulting with a, with a, a couple different companies helped build up training facilities. I was an extra in transformers playing a Navy seal transformers five. I was actually playing a Navy seal. Um, it's awesome. cool. Yeah. You can see me a couple of times in the movie. It's, it's pretty awesome. I had a big red beard or not a big red, but I had my red beard. Uh, uh, I grew up my facial hair. It's red. So um, <laughs> it's the Irish and Scottish. In me. And so anyway, so I was kind of having an up and down year, up and down year. And I uh, found, you know, myself, I was at a pretty, pretty rough time work-wise. And, um, you know, I would, I would wake up early on a Wednesday morning and I'd drive up to Nashville. We lived up in Mississippi at the time. And I was doing construction with my buddy and uh, I would sleep in the attic of his house. He had an extra bedroom up there. I would do that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Friday night. I would drive all the way back down to the Memphis area where we lived. And then I would say hi to Amanda and the kids. And then I would go to my buddy's uh, pizza place that he opened up to help him out. And I was delivering pizzas until one in the morning. And then I'd come home and I'd fulfill online orders for my apparel company, Never Settle Apparel. I would just be doing that until two, three in the morning sometimes. And I'd wake up, family time, kids time. And then I would do construction in my neighborhood. I would be repairing fences or any odd end jobs that I could do, I was doing. And it was like I was getting absolutely nowhere, obviously, but I, I was at that point where I was just doing what I could to provide for my family, and I was frustrated, obviously, with what we were doing and where I was at, and, you know, I came home from work one night, and, uh, you know, I just told myself, I saw, you know, I, we're in a two-bedroom house with five people. You know, we didn't have a kitchen dining room area where we sat around the table as a family because that was my office space. Uh, we would, you know, sit on the couch and we had TV trays to eat dinner. So it's not, you're not really eating dinner as a family. I was gone all the time. I'd come home. Yeah, I was very barely surviving, you know, doing whatever I could to, to make it happen. And I decided, I just made the choice one night that I'm not going to allow that shit to happen anymore. And I was going to do everything I could to better myself as a speaker, to better myself as a, an instructor, as a coach, as a husband, as a father. I stopped listening to radio. I was only listening to podcasts. I was reading every morning, reading every evening. Um, if, it, if it wasn't going to better my life or my family's life, it wasn't in my life. And I had to cut some friends out. Um, I had to uh, be, be selfish because here's the deal. If I didn't take care of myself, I wasn't going to be able to take care of those around me. And people have to realize that it's okay to take care of yourself. You, you've got to put in the work. Because if you don't do it, who's going to? Absolutely nowhere. Nobody. Nobody's going to do it for you. You have to put in the work. You have to make the decision that you're going to be disciplined and that you're going to take action. And so anybody that's listening to this podcast right now, I urge you to do an evaluation of your life, doing an honest self-assessment of where you're at, 
what you're able to do, who you're able to help, what are you lacking, what do you need to do to take your, le- your life to the next level, and it doesn't matter what level that is, just take it to the next level, and then come up with a game plan. And if you're not willing to do that, I'm telling you right now, you will achieve nothing great in your life. All the people that have achieved great things in their life have the discipline to do an honest self-assessment. They have the discipline to find out what they're lacking and what they're good at and come up with a game plan so that they can better who they are while capitalizing on what they're good at. And most importantly, they take action. So if you're not willing to do that, then get used to where you're at. Well, it, it, but some of the things I take the most out of what you just said, I just finished a book, uh, The Art of Blue Fishing by Steve Sims. If you've ever read that great book, his number one quote in there is, you don't drown from falling in the water. You drown from staying there. Man, like you drown yeah. from staying there. And that's beauty. And, and that's it, man. You were, what you're just telling me, the stuff you're going through, I mean, folks, listen to starting businesses, all the struggles, working extra jobs, eating the shit sandwiches, right? Like, but working through that and getting somewhere, not drowning, start moving, don't drown, get where you're supposed to go. I mean, like, I I think people don't think that exists, you know, JP? I mean, when you sit there and tell that, there's some people sitting there listening to this, they're going to feel good about it and they're going to love that story. But when it comes to them and they're, and they're going through the shit and trying to figure out what they're supposed to be doing and the struggles, that, that, was, that was this person. That shouldn't be me, you know? And working through that struggle and getting there, like, that's real life shit. That's what we have yes. to go through. That's what some people go through it worse than others, you know? Um, and, and, some go through it worse people, than us. And people want to act like their situation is special. And they'll be like, well, you, just, you don't understand. When someone starts off saying you don't understand, get ready for the shit show of excuses coming your way. Because that means that they don't actually want to do the work. They do not want to do the work. And so if you're in a line of business where you have to work with people and interact with them, and if the person you're trying to help or work with starts off saying you don't understand, that would be my red flag to not even waste my time with that person. Because they're coming at you right away with excuses as to why they don't want to make it work. They're not going to. They're looking for the easy way out. They're looking for you to be like, oh, well, hold on. Let me help you. Let me take care of what you need to be doing. You you know, our worst days are somebody's dreams. Yeah. So one, I got two things that I want to hit before we cut it out. Um, Because I know that you got to be out of here soon. So... I want to talk about staying on mission and understanding what the end goal is and staying focused on that end goal. We can have mindset. We can have all these things that we want to focus on, but I think a lot of times people get caught up in, you know, just the regular bullshit of life and they don't stay on mission. So what are your thoughts on that? And then what advice do you have about staying on mission? Well, they don't stay on mission because it doesn't matter to them. If it actually mattered, they would stay focused. They would stay on mission. That's, there is no elaborate, detailed, like, here's a secret answer. It doesn't matter to you. Once it matters, then you'll make it happen. 
And that comes down to the whole why. We talk about the why. I love talking about the why. Like what drives you? What gets you out of bed? You know, what pushed us to train as hard as we did in SEAL teams? Because we believed in the mission. Yeah. And that's what it simply comes down to. If you believe in the mission, you'll do the work. If you don't believe in the mission, you'll make excuses. And how you'll find you Sorry, JP. I was just going to say, how many companies do you run into where, though, they don't even have a mission? Well, I think every company, every company has a mission. They do. But they don't have – a lot of companies don't actually take the time to reevaluate what their mission is. Okay. Is their mission even relevant? Is their mission even – do they even need to be doing that mission? Do they need to be wasting their time and energy and resources on that mission? You have to, you have, to have the ability to step back. I don't care what you're doing in life. You have to be able to have the ability – to step back, evaluate what's going on in your current environment and make sure what you're doing is the correct mission because the mission will change and can change. And each mission is completely different. There are some missions that you can accomplish in a day. There's some missions that are going to take six to nine months. And while you're going down that path, you need to make sure that you're on the right path, the most efficient path to accomplish that mission. So take that out of work. Take that out of business. Are you actually doing that with your family? Are you, look, are, you, are you doing an evaluation of your marriage and saying, hey, am I doing the right things to, to, to build up this marriage? Am I building up my significant other? Am I building up my kids? How much time am I setting aside for my family? And if you're not doing that, guess what's going to eventually fail? Yeah. The, the, the thing you didn't have your eye on, the relationship for sure. Yeah. Wow. So second thing to tear onto that, um, building a team, building the culture inside of that team, what are your thoughts and I guess how, how do you build culture inside of a team? Uh, realize that it's going to take time and it starts with belief. I literally just wrote <laughs> the, the platoon hut – I'll send to you guys, or if you guys go to the website and check it out, I, I literally, we just posted about this. So it's awesome that we're talking about it. It, it comes down to belief and you, you know, you can't dictate your belief to somebody else and like expect them to spread it. Right. You have to uh, give out your quote commander's intent to all your troops. Like you've got to say, Hey, here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. And, you know, your belief has to be there. They have to see it. They have to feel it. And you also have to realize that not everyone's going to buy into that. But there's going to be a handful of key leaders that do. You focus that extra attention on those key leaders that believe in the mission, that believe in what you're doing and why you're doing and how it's going to make an impact and why the culture needs to change. You focus on those guys that actually have a relationship with their frontline troops, their frontline leaders, and then they have the ability to instill that belief into the rest of their team. And, you know, hey, here's the deal. Attitude is a reflection of leadership. So if your culture sucks, that's your fault as a leader. If your team's failing, that's because of you as a leader. And so you have to do an evaluation of yourself and then do an evaluation of your key leaders that have influence over the rest of your group. And if you find that there's a cancer among your group, if you can't cure it, you cut it out before it spreads. You eliminate that person. Yeah. 
Man, that's the good. mission. The mission comes first. It's the mission before the men. But if you take care of your men, you'll accomplish the mission. Okay, so I love all of that. Just point blank. Um, so as you're building a team and you're going through the hiring process or you're going through the recruitment process of everything, how do you, how do you weed out the ones that are going to stay focused on, on the company and help building the, the culture and the team together versus building, I guess, themselves, if that makes sense. Yeah, but you need to find the balance there because they need to be able to build themselves and you need right. to build them up. You know, right. the, the job as a leader is to build up the junior leaders to replace them so you can move up and out to something else. So you've got to find that balance. But, um, you know, the, I don't, there's, no, like, there's no, like, single answer I can give you. Like, hey, do this test, have this conversation, do this. It's an assessment. And you have to be tied into the culture of your company or your team. I mean, that's got to be your priority. If you're building a team, then you've got to be tied into that team. And you've got to find the ones that are coachable and teachable. Those are the ones that are going to make a difference in your organization. And humility is the absolute most important factor of these individuals. If they don't have humility, if they don't have the ability to check their, their ego, those are the ones that you're going to have a problem with. And, and, take, and take the time to actually sit down and have a conversation with these new members that you're bringing on and find out what, find out what makes them tick, you know? And keep them accountable. Hey, what are your short-term, mid-term, and long-term personal and professional goals? Because you got to balance personal and professional. They both feed each other. And if you can keep them on track on both of those aspects of, your, of their life, it helps. And by you doing that, you're building a relationship. And because of that relationship, you actually have influence. And then that, that's, you know, the, the ones that you have influence over are going to be the ones that are going to do whatever you need them to do. They're going to go to battle with you. And that's good. That's good. And, it, and it, all this takes time and it takes confidence. When yes. I say time is yes. maybe even direction, right? But there's a lot more yes. than just direction, right, JP? Yeah. And people don't understand that you have to have that tactical patience to build, to build something great. It's going to take some time. And I mean, just look, let's go. My, my dad did construction. If you screw up the foundation on a building, it doesn't matter how well everything else is done. Because over time, as, as that you know, foundation starts to shift and crack and it's uneven and everything, everything else in the house starts to get out of whack. So you've got to make sure your foundation is solid and secure before you start building up an organization. Roger that. That's good stuff. Um, when we, before we started, um, I was, I wrote down the question. I noticed on your, your email tagline was, uh, you know, not tagline, but just under your name, JP, it said live life without fear. And I was going to ask you today why, why that was so important to you, but I'm sitting here after this podcast, if you can't see this man's direction and his determination and his drive and his heart to do the things he set forth, like you've, you answered it. This podcast was the answer to my original question live life without fear. JP has been such a pleasure having you on. You had mentioned uh platoon hut and that is that at echelon front. People can check that out. Yeah. So if you guys want to get a hold of me or you have questions, you want to reach out uh, on Instagram, it's at J P D I 
D-E-N-N-E-L-L. So at JP Donnell on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It's all the same. Uh, if you want to see what we do at Esch- uh, with Echelon Front, it's echelonfront.com. So E-C-H-E-L-O-N-F-R-O-N-T.com. You can check out the musters that we do, which are those are two-day leadership events that we do. The uh, leadership and management consulting that we do with companies. Uh, we have our field training exercises that we run with companies. That's actually what I'm the director of. I'm in charge of all of our hands-on scenario-based leadership training. Uh, which is just a lot of fun. Uh, we do that all throughout the United States. And actually, we have some international uh, clients wanting that as well. Uh, so yeah, just reach out if you have anything. And then on Echelon Front, uh, you can find the Platoon Hut. And there's uh, articles that have been written by Jocko, Leif, Dave Burke, myself, Flynn Cochran, Jamie Cochran, our director. You know, all these different individuals contribute different stuff, which are, which are great. You know, sometimes you just yeah. need you need something to read, you know, that will pick you up or just, Hey, what's their thought process on something like this? Um, yeah. And so, and then, so what is your, um, what is your clothing company? So I started never settle apparel a long time ago. And that was just when I started my consulting company, uh, I was doing never settle consulting and I was like, Oh, cool. If somebody comes and does a shooting class, I'll have a shirt for them. And that's all it was going to be. And then it turned into where like the first time I made a post on Facebook, like, Hey, you can, um, you know, if you want a shirt, I don't know. I was like, I don't know if people are going to want to buy this. Uh, I had 107 orders come through that first week. <laughs> I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. And then my buddy who has an apparel company, he's like, bro, I can fulfill all that. He goes, I think you just started an apparel company. And so we have <laughs> designs and whatnot. And hey, I'll be honest, like a lot of the stuff on there is just uh, it's out of stock right now because it's been on the back burner. You talk about prioritize and execute. Uh, Never Settle just hasn't been a priority of mine because my number one priority, I'm all in with everything I do is echelon front, is helping Jocko and Leif build up that company to be a part of that company. Um, I'm probably going to have somebody get never settle up and running again and they fulfill it. They run it. They do it all for me. Um, I do have some stuff available, but right now there's nothing there just because the priority has been building my brand, my name with echelon front because that's the company I'm going to be with until the day I decide I'm not going to work anymore. I mean, that's who I am 100% with. So, um, yeah. Good deal. Grider Show got like the podcast, the podcast today. Let's go back, listen to it again. Follow JP on Instagram. He's he's funny as hell. Plus, he 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 really does show a lot of the stuff they do at Echelon Front when they're doing the musters and stuff. And I'm waking up at seven a.m. and he's had a, a Instagram post from where they were up at like four something. Yeah, so you know he I'm living vicariously through him. So, anyways, go check him out. JP, once again, such an honor to have you on. We really do appreciate you. And uh, with that, uh, Grinders out.